Hey, welcome to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences, navigating adulthood, and what we learned along the way. We invite you to join our weekly conversations while we create our own blueprints on this amazing journey and hope some of the lessons we learned can help you. Here are my co-hosts, Nay and Sunny D. Hey everybody, it's your girl Sunny D here to brighten up your day. I'm a new business owner transitioning from corporate America. And frankly, I can't trust anybody that don't like tacos. Hey friends, I'm Nay. I'm so excited to share and grow with y'all. I'm a full-time wife, full-time mommy, and part-time employed. Nutella is my love language. This is your girl, Nakai, and I am your host on Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I am so excited to have you guys here, and I love brownies and seaweed. So let's get to the episode. Hey, y'all. So today we actually have a beautiful interview. We are interviewing the famous, the most amazing, the serial entrepreneur, Miss Monisha Satterfield. Clap, 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 clap. I'm excited to just like learn from you, hear from you and hear your questions. So go ahead, girl. Monisha, thank you. In four adjectives, describe your transition into this world of adulting. Effortless manageable, elated, amusing. That's fantastic because those are definitely not the ones I would use. (laughs) That's amazing. So why those four adjectives? Why did you choose those four adjectives? For me, uh, the transition into adulting was easy because um, I was already running businesses. I had clientele. I got tired of having to get parental signature on everything because I was underage. And I'm like, this is my business. These people are just parental units. They have to sign this stuff, but I wanted to be able to run it and do it my way without having to say, can you sign this? Can you do this? Mommy, daddy, I need you for that. I was already doing stuff. You know, I already had a cleaning service with staff. I was already braiding hair, babysitting clientele that I was regularly making money. And a lot of the times I was making more money than my parents. So I was just ready to get in there and do it. I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. I wanted to run my own show and I wanted to, it was Monisha's world. I just needed everybody else to live in it. That's how I felt. That's incredible. I find that to be a really interesting perspective and maybe the other ladies do as well. Um, But it sounds as if because you had such a specific type of childhood where you had that entrepreneurial spirit very early on, you had that business mindset very early on, that that transitioned you into adulthood a lot easier than I know, at least for me, personally speaking, that's definitely not something that I had. So then when I became an adult, and I'm like, wait, I got to do what I got to do who I have to pay for this and trash bags or how much like, that was different for me, because that wasn't something that I had tapped into until I was much older. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to kind of being blind blindsided by all of the things that adulting comes with? I think they can. My parents, I was always the march to the beat of your own drum kind of girl. So my parents liked white bread. I liked wheat. Um, They ate beef and pork. I ate chicken and turkey. So my father, he was like, I'm not eating turkey bacon or turkey anything. So with 
the money that I had, I when they would go grocery shopping, I would go grocery shopping. They had a basket, I had a basket. It was like I lived in their household, but I ran my life completely different from all of them. I started paying for my own shoes and clothes um, the summer between fifth and sixth grade. I wanted to dress how I wanted. I didn't want them to tell me like I liked really expensive things. And my father was like, I'm not paying for that. You're going to grow out of it in a month and a half. And then I'm going to be upset. But I wanted it anyway. You know, it was what I wanted. And so I'm like, I have money. I don't need you to do anything except drive me there because I can't drive. So for that, I was already ready. I was like already buying my own groceries. I didn't like the detergent they they purchased. I, I was always complete left field from everything that went on in my household. And so I did my own thing. I just needed a ride to the various places in order to do what I needed to do. But I um opened up bank account over the phone for me and my siblings. And I acted like I was my mother. I even got a oh, phone wow. one day while they were at work. I'm like, back in the day, we had what was called Pacific Bell. And my mom, I noticed my dad's name came on the bill and my mother's name didn't. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to get all her information out of her wallet. And I'm going to get my own phone because they keep interrupting me when I have things to do. So I called and set everything up while they were at work. And my sister was like, you're going to get in so much trouble. And I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, what are you going to do when they're on the phone? And another phone rings. And I was like, I'm smarter than that. I'm never going to turn my ringer on. And I also got this here pager so everybody can just page me and leave a voicemail and I'll call them back. So that I was ready. I was paying my phone bill. I was paying the pager bill. I was buying detergent and groceries, shoes and clothes. I only thing I didn't do was pay for the water, electricity and the mortgage. So I was I was like, yes, let's do this. I mean, I don't well, even know what to say to that. Wow. <laughs> My childhood was totally different. I look yeah. at my kids right now and I'm like, you guys are barely even learning to cook. This, you guys are so spoiled and halfway privileged. I need to change that. Like we're changing that going into January because I can't have them depending on people. That's mm-hmm. never how I was. I, I was always like, listen, show me what I need to do so that I can do my own thing. I don't want to ask permission for anything. I don't want to have to call you and say, is this okay? I just want to run my own show. I was ready to do this. Wow. And Miss Mamisha, this is Nay. Um, it sounds Hi. like you came. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. But it sounds like you came into this with a level of maturity and also with a level of responsibility already in eight. So it leads me to believe that the elation and the amusement that you're finding in adulthood is thoroughly accurate. But could you tell everyone how those words relate to your transition into adulthood? So I was elated because I was finally able to do my own thing. The only laws I had to follow were the laws of the world, the, the laws of the land, you know, just don't do anything illegal, you know, be kind to others, that kind of thing. But other than that, I was able to really just do me. Um, I find it amusing because it's like people would look at me and say, she's so young to be doing this or sweetie, where's your parents or who's your supervisor? And I'm like, I'm the person in charge. So to me, I mean, it happened almost everywhere I went. It was like, hi, I spoke to you over the phone. My name is Monisha. And they were like, yeah, we thought we were talking to a grown up already. And I'm like, yeah, no, you were talking to me and I need my order to be ready. And this is not how I told you I wanted it to be done. So I need you to correct this and correct that. And they would look over at my mom or dad and they would like, is she the one that's supposed to be like, are you going to chime in here? And they would throw their hands up like, look, this is her thing. We just gave her a ride. You know, we just came in to make sure nothing happens to our kids. So for me, it was amusing because 
I'm like, now that I'm ready to come out here and I'm ready to do this and I'm thinking, okay, I can run my show the way I want to run it. People still looked at me like I was the little girl because I'm the youngest, you know, I'm 18 now and I have my own car. I'm ready to go do what I have to do. I had a really good job working for the school district. I think I came, my first job was um, for a few months at Delta running like I was in security, but I knew I wasn't going to be there long. That was just something to do to reach another goal that I had in mind. And then I got, um, I was brought on by the school district making like $18 an hour at 18 years old when the rest of my peers were making minimum wage. That was like $7 and some change, you know? So I had that money. I had money from the cleaning service. I would still watch kids. So I had money from that. And, and I was charging a minimum of $175 a head to braid hair. And I was braiding um, before I turned 18, I was braiding three days a week. So I had pretty good money then. But once I turned 18, I was braiding six days a week. So I had a lot of money, you know, at my disposal to do what I wanted to do. So to me, it's amusing because I was still looked at as the little girl. Nobody took me seriously until I opened my mouth. But to just approach them, it was like, oh, sweetie, where's your people? Or who's your supervisor? Who sent you? I sent me. Like, I'm ready to do this. Do business with me. And nobody took me seriously. So as a young kid, I'm wondering, where did this come from? Like, where did this entrepreneurship come from? Like, did you say siblings? None of your siblings are similar to you. So what what happened or not just what happened but what inside you became this entrepreneur businesswoman before you were held so my mother says I've been like this she's like you are a pushy broad you've been that way since the day of conception you're the only child that I knew right away that I was pregnant you made your presence known before you got here and it's never changed I've always been this way I I remember being in what third or fourth grade we had career day you guys used to have career day right and they would tell you like oh you want to be do you want to be the officer the lawyer the fireman I never wanted to be that and they made us write like a few paragraphs on what we wanted to be and I was like I want to be rich and my teacher made me redo my paper and I was like I want to be the owner and she was like you have to redo your paper she made me redraft that paper I think five or six times and I was so upset with her because I'm like you can't make me want to be a lawyer or a teacher or a doctor I don't want to be any of those things I just want to be in charge and my final draft was that I want to be in charge so whatever you call that person that's what I want to be when I grow up I want to be the one to be in charge run a show I don't want anybody telling me what to do and she left it she left it at that wow I mean what else are you going to say after that yeah because I'm like all of these people they have people that tell them what to do and I don't want to be that like you're a teacher yes but the principal is your supervisor I don't want a supervisor Mm -hmm. I want to be whoever is the person all the way in charge and she was like okay okay good luck and I'm like thank you Mm. you as a you know kid and you're standing your ground because I think of like video I saw of Steve Harvey and you know he was talking about like when he was little he was saying like I want to be on TV and the teacher was like sit down you're not going to be on TV but now he's like this huge star and he sends the teacher a TV every year so she won't miss him and it's like for me I love it because like teachers are supposed to be encouraging and you know showing kids their potential they're not supposed to say no sit down you're supposed to be a lawyer you're supposed to be this no if you want to be the boss you'll be the boss like how can we get you so kudos to you like uh uh-uh 
You know what? And it's not even I mean, the teacher's honestly. fault. I don't think it's the teacher's fault, you know, because they're not equipped, I don't think, to handle a child that's not cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be all these things that require education per se, you know, to, to be successful. And to be an entrepreneur, it doesn't require education. It requires heart, grit, and grind. You know, as long as you're not willing to take no for an answer, then you can do it, no matter what it is. It doesn't have to be a tech startup company or anything. If you want to be a freaking window washer because you put together this solution by accident and you saw that it made windows shine, then be the fresh, the best freaking window washer you can be. And then you go out there and you start on windshields and then you upgrade to high rises doing all of the windows in, in their building. You know what I'm saying? That's a huge contract. So it doesn't matter what the profession, it just matters heart. You got to have heart. It sounds like you've said that you always want it to be the boss. You've always, you never wanted anyone to kind of have that leadership position over you. And you always wanted to basically be able to make your own moves in your own terms. Is that your why? Or are there some other components to your why that pushes you to do all of the greatness that we hear that you're doing? No, my why is twofold. My why is started as my, my parents were my why. And I don't want it to sound negative. It just helped with my drive. I never wanted to be the person who struggled. And my parents struggled with us. Um, there were times that we had to go without certain things, never like the essentials, food, water, clothes, things like that. But like I was always um, larger in size than my sister. And so I would get the clothes and then I would have to hand them down to her. She would be upset about it because she's the oldest. Or if they didn't have money to get it for both of us, then it was like, okay, Mo's going to wear it first and then we'll pass it down. My brother was the only boy so dresses weren't an option for him right so it was like we wanted to go to class trips and I could see the frustration and, and oftentimes hear it. My father, we would come home like, daddy, um, the school's having this event or the school's having this trip. And he wouldn't say no, but he would give like the heavy side that told us, I don't either have the money for this or I don't want to deal with this because I have other things on my table, right? So I never wanted to be that person. And I was like, I'm going to always have money. I'm never going to go without. I'm going to be able to get the things that I want to get. And, and nobody's going to tell me no. It started off with my parents as my why because I never wanted to be in that position. And then it changed to my children as my why, because I was established before I had them. I purchased my house when I was 24. I already had my car. It was pretty much paid off. And only bills I really had was my mortgage and my credit card. And then like gas and things like that. But um, my children are my why. They are the reason why I go, go, go even harder in the paint today, because I need them to see it can be done. Everything that you see mommy has, you can do it too. I don't want them to think that they have to sacrifice, you know, the things that they want because they don't have the tools, the resources or the funds. They, if you get up and get out, you can get it. You can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can acquire whatever you want. And my son, he's like, I want a Corvette, a BMW and his thing is cars. And I'm like, okay, so get all of those cars. And he's like, oh my man, you're going to get them for me. Oh no, dear. I might get you a Honda, but 
but I'm not getting that stuff. But what you can do in that Honda is grind and work hard enough to get the next car and the next car and the next car. So my kids are my why. Interesting perspective of having your parents as your why in the beginning and just seeing what they've gone through and knowing that that's not exactly something that you want to have to stress or worry about and then to move into being able to provide everything that you desire for your children and for their lives and being able to teach them and duplicate that mindset for your kids as well. Our next question that we have is like, what is your overreaching mission? The the dreamiest, the biggest, the loudest goal accomplishment or, or overreaching mission that you have? The overreaching mission that I have is running a multi-billion dollar company or even larger than that. So a few years ago, I wrote my children each a check for a million dollars and I need them to be able to cash that check one day so that mm. that could be the seed that they use to start their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents didn't contribute to me purchasing a car ever. I was never gifted a car like at the Sweet 16, at the Sweet 16 um, birthday party or they, my parents didn't even know I was going to go buy a car. They they were like, uh, whose car is that? And you need to take it back. And I'm like, oh, this is my car. I just left Gardena Nissan. <laughs> and my dad was like, well, we don't borrow cars. And I was like, no, no, we, I just bought it. You know, I've been braiding hair. I've been watching kids. I've been cleaning houses. I saved my money and, you know, I had my down payment and he's like you're not even 18 and I'm like I'll be 18 in a day or two but my godmother is the one who signed for the car because I would give her my money and ask her to hold on to it she was an accountant so I'm like you can't be an accountant and be bad with money it's an oxymoron Hmm. At least I thought at the time, you know, <laughs> so, so she didn't have any children of her own. And so I would give her my money and she would hold it for me and log where I got it from, how much I earned and how much I handed her. And we would both sign. She would sign the ledger. I would sign the ledger agreeing that this is the amount that I basically deposited with her. And so um, when it was time to buy the car, I'm like, do I have enough money for this for a down payment? And she was like, yeah, you have enough for a down payment. So that's what I did. And then when we got there, I didn't know know that she matched me dollar for dollar because she saw how hard I was working. Mm. Wow. So yeah. yeah. So the down payment that I thought I was going in with, I actually went in with double and I had like my first few car notes already in the bank because, you know, I wanted to make sure I was ahead of the game always, you know, always had reserves. And so I had doubled the reserve as well. Oh my God, amazing. that's a blessing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is. And with your mission kind of encompassing running a multi-million dollar company and it seems like family plays such a big part in your story your purpose your journey what is your definition of success and what do you think are some common traits that successful people have so my definition for success is just being able to take care of myself and my children at this point in my life that's my definition of success is being able to take care of them without them having to go without um even though um i went through a divorce and uh, i hear a lot of people's story regarding divorce and how so many women with children, they either fold or um, they have to go live with family. That was not the case for me. My children remained in tennis, basketball, swim, dance, drums, tutoring. They they remained in all of this stuff because I would much rather sacrifice like hair and nails for myself than sacrifice anything regarding the kids. For me, 
being able to provide for them still, for them not to have drastic change in their life um, and them have to make sacrifices because children don't understand sacrifice. To them, it's, you failed me. You you could, didn't come through for me. And I never wanted to be that for my children. So um, that's my definition of success. And then I think the one thing that all successful people have in common is probably um, the inability to understand no. Like when someone tells me no, I don't understand. I genuinely have a confused look on my face because I can't figure out why your answer will be no to anything that I'm asking or requesting or trying to do. It might be no for that particular person, but somebody somewhere is going to give a yes. So that's where the heart comes in because you have to be willing to take several no's before you find your yes. You can't give up. If somebody tells you no, do you just walk away and say, okay, well, they said no. And so I better go home, go back to the drawing board and come up with a new idea. No, your idea was fine the first time you didn't talk to the right person. So I think is big. It is. It it is what keeps you, what fuels you. And if no is a word that you vote with, then you won't be successful because you'll be impeded by all the no's that you'll hear because you're going to hear no's. That's that's a real gem to take away from. Yeah. So I think that's every successful person. They're, they don't understand the word no or their refusal to accept the word no, whichever way you phrase it. That's is that has to be what it is because I've been told no several occasions on so many things, but that doesn't stop me from doing it. I, and then they turn around and they're like, "Oh, you figured out how to get it done?" Yeah, I did, and it wasn't from you, but you know, you could have saved me probably several months of asking, but I I eventually got the yes that I needed, and now I'm moving on to the next phase of whatever I'm working on. But yeah, people who are successful know is not an option. Failure is not an option. So we will sacrifice whatever we need to sacrifice to either make it happen ourselves or we keep grinding and we keep working until we get the yes that we need that catapults us into the next phase. Monisha, I agree with that a hundred percent. I definitely think those people that are wildly successful and those people that always continue to, like you said, grind and have heart definitely don't, (laughs) they don't understand what what the word no means. That is okay that's a no for you that's a maybe a no not right now maybe not this way but I will figure it out uh type of mindset and that's incredible and I think some people depending on their life experience and things like that I think think that's something that's that's can be challenging to to wrap their minds around especially if you are coming from a place where you've never really had anybody tell you no so when that happens that's that can be crushing to some people and that can be absolutely motivating motivating to others. And it definitely sounds like that's a motivating factor for you. What do you do daily that gives you the success you are looking for? Every day I work on at least one of my businesses to push it to the next phase. So the current business that I'm working on right now is relaunching my skincare and hair care line. Um, We just did a business expo and I decided that I'm going to purchase a smaller canopy, a five by five, something that's a lot 
job more manageable by one person. And I'm just going to go set up shop every day somewhere. I'm just going to pop up on somebody's corner and start selling stuff. And even if I don't get a thousand dollars worth of sales in a day, I'm selling something. I'm getting our name out there. That's amazing. So just little by little, something, small little changes and, and small little actions towards building the businesses that you already have. Just being able to do something for your businesses every single day. Yes. Now I know this is a big question for you because you do your hand in so many lucrative bundles and piles and all of those things. But if you could only do one thing or have one business, what would that be for you? Oh man, that is difficult. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that off the top of my head. I think it would be something child related because I am a mother. I'm a single mother. So whatever I do, it needs to be surrounding the children so that they can be involved. Because even though I am an entrepreneur and I run business, businesses, I don't like to leave my children with other people. Not that I don't trust them. It's just they didn't ask to be in this world. So I need to be the one to raise them. I brought them here. I need to take care of them. That's how I feel. And I think if I do something that is child related, then they can both be involved and I can, you know, be with them at the same time. That's a good one, man. That is a good one because mm-hmm. not only are you keeping your tribe and your children with you, but it is child focused. And if you are working with kids, you can be an example for the next generation. A child can see your drive, your tenacity, your heart, your grid, and that can rub off on them. And you can cultivate that little seed in them for them to be like you. <laughs> yeah. So I would probably say motivated minds. That's my childcare. Motivated minds would probably be the business. Like my son mm. loves to play with kids. My baby is two years old, so he can learn. My daughter is great at taking the lead. She knows who needs what, why. She's already learned, um, you know, the various reasons kids could be crying. So um, she's really, really good at that. You know, well, they're already fed. They're already dry. So maybe this one just needs a hug or come on, you could come take a walk with me or we'll sit at this table and do an activity together. Whereas my son, the oldest one, he's like, well, I don't know what's wrong with the kid, but they keep crying. So I left him and went to go play with a different kid. But um, but at least if I do that, then they're all involved, you know? Yeah, that definitely sounds like that would be something that would be fully beneficial for the, the full family. So I think that that, that would be a, an amazing focus to continue on. And it doesn't strike me, or it's not lost on me rather, that throughout everything that you've accomplished and everything that you have set forth in your life since you were a tiny little human being, that being able to learn and seek knowledge and find these different avenues of success and things that you're interested in what book is like your favorite book that you've read why was it your favorite how did that influence you to continue to tackle one thing after the next after the next I don't have a favorite book everything that I do yeah no everything that I do it it, it's just who I am like I don't know any other way to explain it and when people see me out here doing what it is I do or they see me doing my thing they're like oh ever since I was young they would say you need to 
read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or you need to read Think and Grow Rich, and you need to read Gung Ho. And I have all these books, you guys, but I was never interested in reading them. Not ever. I probably should take the time to stop and read them, but I haven't read any of them. Not a book per se. I'm more of, if I have a question, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you set this up? Or how do you run a company like this? Or I, I, I'm more, I'll Google it and read a few articles versus sit and read that book cover to cover because I feel like I have better things that I could be doing, like starting my business, you know? So um, I, I I did just say a few weeks ago, though, that I was like, I'm going to sit and read some of these books. <laughs> People gift them to me all, all the time and I'm, they're just like on my bookshelf. So I don't have any books rela- as relates to business. I just ask questions. I'm very inquisitive. I always have been. And I just take the information that I get from anyone that I think is smarter than me or someone that I deem successful. I'm like, okay, they're out there doing what I want to do. And so I just ask questions. But anytime I ask questions, I make sure that I take notes because anytime somebody is providing you with any kind of wisdom on whatever the subject, you want to be mindful to not have them repeat themselves because Mm -hmm. their time is precious, you know? Mm -hmm. So my father used to always tell me, when I speak to you and you have a question for me, you better be taking notes because I'm not going to repeat myself. So he was like, I'll give you the information, but I'm not going to give it to you twice. So we always had like a spiral notebook or a journal or something to take notes in. And he would say, use the same one over and over and over again so you could refer back. That way you don't have to look through three or four different ones. And so now with technology being what it is, I just record conversations. Um, I usually ask permission. Sometimes I you know, might hit the record button quickly and not ask, but it's never like for anything malicious. I just do it to refer back to things that they've um, said to me. And some people don't want to be recorded. I don't, I wouldn't see why, but some people don't want to be recorded and it's information that I actually need. And just in case I forget, like in the hustle and bustle of things, I need to be able to go back and re-listen to what it is they told me. So for the most part, I record all conversations that are going to provide any type of knowledge. Nice. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that tip. I love that trick. I love that. I love all of that because like you said, when somebody gives you the gift of their time, time is one of those gifts that we can never give back. Um, that is precious. So the fact that you make it a point to either record or do some kind of note taking to make sure that you don't lose all of those drops and dreams and the blessing of them giving you that wisdom and information, that is great. That's something yeah. I, I will do better at encompassing in my life. <laughs> Thank Agreed. you for that. Absolutely I actually agree. tell people like when they say, hey, Mo, can I pick your brain? You can if you have a pen and paper or freaking record me. I don't care how you retain the information or refer back to it. Just don't pick up the phone and ask me the same question twice because I'm not going to answer it. Nice. And Sounds my, like I need to implement that at my job. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because you know what? When it's something that people really, really want or something that they really want to do or want to know, if it's gossip, they only have to be told one time, right? Before they go back and tell the next person they retain that but when it's business or something that will better their lives why do you forget why do you need to come back and ask me again how come this wasn't a priority for you enough to if you can't remember everything then you need to remember most of it or at the very least 
have written it down, taken bullet points, or even recorded the conversation. So when my friends and family or people say, hey, is it okay if I give this person your number for them to talk to you? I'm like, I don't, that's why I don't mentor because I don't have time. I don't want to hold anybody's hand. I will, if you have questions for me, I'm always down to answer any questions because that's how I got to where I am today by asking questions. I think I told you guys about when I was trademarking and I used the yellow pages all these different attorney offices had 30 minute consultations for free <laughs> and I would take notes and I exhausted every 30 minute consultation in the yellow pages so that I could get a trademark for my clothing line. And I was successful. I was able to trademark without having to pay an attorney. And I was like young, 18 years old, tra- learning a trademark. So, but if I, if I didn't have that in, you know, to, if I didn't have that training from my father to take notes so that people don't have to repeat themselves, then I would probably not have been successful or I would have had to pay even more money to hire an attorney. Mm. I do just like, oh my gosh, and all about. And that is the beauty of action. I'm learning, I'm listening to you and I hear this theme of action, action, action. Just take fucking action, right? And (laughs) just take action. But I'm listening to you and I'm like, because like you said, you're not reading a book. You are, you're, you're going out, figuring out and you're doing. And I think that's something that I really want our listeners to take away is that you can read a million books, you can read a million articles, you can sit down all day and get the information. But if you're not acting, if you're not doing, if you're not actually utilizing and implementing and executing, then it's basically your information whore, right? You're just yeah. gathering. Yeah, exactly. No, that, that's exactly. I have another cousin who went to school for cosmetology and she does makeup very well. Like she can do dramatic makeup and everything. Her her nail game is is great her so her work is nice right and she told another one of my cousins I think I want to ask Mo to mentor me my cousin said oh girl don't do that unless you all the way ready (laughs) and she said well what do you mean and she said do not ask that girl about anything unless you are ready for success if you're not ready to do it if you're going to say that you have to get funds together or you need to do this she's like if you're not ready do not pick up the phone and even ask her a question and she's like well she's my cousin too. And I was like, I'm just letting you know how it is. And so Jade called me and she's like, hey, cousin, this is what I want to do. I graduated from cosmetology school. I'm tired of renting a booth because I guess the people were all over the place. They weren't consistent. It was like the shop was closed when it should have been open. And it was just bad business. And Jade was like, I want to open up and do my own thing, but I don't have credit. So nobody's going to lease me a place. Right. But I have this great skill. And I'm like, well, how bad do you want it? And she was like, I really, really want it. And I'm like, okay, but when you want something bad, you have to get in a position to be uncomfortable in order to become comfortable. So you are in a shop right now. If you want it really, really bad, how are you willing to, I don't know, go buy the largest storage shed there is in order to set up shop in there? It's going to be outside and you're going to be a little bit cold. So you're going to have to get creative and run extension cords and have heaters and things like that. But are you willing to work outside per se? And she was like... I mean, I would prefer to be inside. Then you don't have the willingness. You don't have what it takes because if you can't afford booth rent and you can't afford to open up a shop on your own to charge booth rent to offset your expenses, then do enough hair, do enough nails, do enough makeup and go finance this storage shed. I think the shed was like $115 a month and it was large enough for her to put like a booth in there. And I'm like, I know this because I do hair. So this shed is large enough and your backyard is large enough. Drive the 
this thing in your backyard close enough to your house to run an extension cord or get a generator and set up shop in there. In the beginning, you're going to have to tell your clients, look, I don't have water running, right? So you need to have your hair already shampooed and blow right? And instead of charging $50 a head, then you cut the price in half to $25 or even $30 just for a press and curl or just for a trim or whatever it is they're going to get. But then you're not using any water services. They have to come already clean, right? And she wasn't willing to do that. Well, here she is today still asking for people to help her pay her booth rent and you get up and go to work every day. Mm -hmm. So my question is, where's your money? Where's the hunger? Where's the drive? You are comfortable. You, you're you not willing to do what it takes. Because I would have went to go buy some sweats and I would have made sure it was comfortable temperature wise. I would have made sure I dressed warm enough to get the job done. <laughs> But I was going to, I would get the job done. You know, if you want it bad enough, you have to think out of the box. You have to think what's going to get me to the next level. Because after a few months or even a year, that shed would have been paid for. And then everything else would have been profit on top of that. And then you could be working on your credit to get the building to be able to charge other people rent. But you're not there yet, even four, five, six years later, because your willingness was not there. So like Morgan told her, if you're not ready, don't ask her. And she's still not ready. <laughs> well, Miss Money, so we know that your time is valuable because you have 50, 11 businesses you have to keep track of <laughs> and building more. We're going to wrap up this interview that was so wonderful and just delicious and full of all kinds of gems and knowledge with a question that I think would pretty much compass and wrap up this whole conversation. If you were remembered for one thing, what would you ultimately like to be remembered for? If I were remembered for one thing, I think I would want to be remembered for keeping my word, not just to mm. others, but to myself. You That's know, powerful. if I can't keep, if I can't keep my word to myself, you know, then I can't keep my word to anyone else. So my word to myself is you are destined for greatness. This is why you were put here to leave your stamp on the earth and to do a great job at it. And so if I tell myself that, then that means I need to work towards that. And if I'm telling other people, you can do the same thing. You just have to do what it takes to get there, no matter what it takes. If I'm not showing them that, and I'm not doing that myself, then what was the point of all of this? Mm, that's deep and that's good. That's powerful. That is an awesome way to end this episode. <laughs> but before we end, can you let everyone know where to find you, your IG handle? A healthier me skincare? Yes. You too busy running these business to be worrying about all the other little stuff. Listen, somebody does my, my, my social media for me because I'm like, look, I don't have time to sit at a computer. I'm, so I'm always running and doing something. And how is still being remodeled so I don't stop oh man so because because you have seven different businesses a healthier me skincare is on Instagram is that the one that you want us to throw out yeah. to the audience yeah right now I'm working on everything healthy and from head to toe inside out all things health because um if you're not healthy and you're not taking care of yourself then you won't be able to help take care of others you won't be good to anyone else and everybody wants beautiful hair beautiful skin in, but they have to be willing to do it from the inside out as well. So a healthier me is getting ready to do a lot of great things. We are getting ready to um, launch our vitamin 
cleanse in the new year. And we have um, like hair oil that's great for growth. Um, Our shampoo and conditioner will be ready soon. So we have a lot of things that are great and they're in play and they're coming about yeah so we'll be launching stuff in the new year okay Okay. it looks like that is on ig a healthier me skincare facebook and also on the web address so those will be the handles okay thank you monisha for that amazing interview you dropped so many gems and before we go i just want to let our listeners know that we are also sponsored by another organization called sure refinement again that's sure refinement you can find them on instagram their website www.surerefinement.com but thank you so much monisha for actually coming letting us interview you dropping all those gems we are so excited and with that we're gonna say deuces we're out bye peace out